I do want to think with you just briefly about the passage that Paul read just a few moments ago from the great prophet Joel, who should be repeated and remembered. He lived in a very difficult time, and he projected his thoughts into God's future. In seeing what is possible with God, where others might have thought all was lost, Joel was able to picture a different future of what God could restore. Given the chance, all children are natural-born dreamers. You know that, don't you? It is embedded in their DNA. God planted it there. It is only when the world robs them of that notion that they relinquish their dreams to be like everybody else. Children are natural-born dreamers. It is what makes a room full of children so effervescent, so filled with energy, so zany, If you don't understand that, talk with Sarah Martin this week. (laughs) Sarah Martin, bless her heart, has a hard job, but she loves it. It's obvious when she gets up in front of the children, it's obvious that she is in her natural realm. She loves it, and the children love her too. It is such a gorgeous thing. And her army of volunteers that made this I think the best vacation Bible school I've ever seen at any church. It was wonderful. If you didn't have a chance to be here, let me tell you that it was done the right way. Adults generally will sit back and marvel when they see this type of energy. They will say, I wish I could model some of that stuff. You ever said that when you see children running around out in the yard or on the playground? I wish I could bottle some of that stuff. And I I look at it and I think to myself, man, I would like to have some of that energy that I could call upon. That's one reaction. There's another reaction that some adults have when they are around children, especially children in numbers. And some of you may know that reaction, too. They simply think, get me out of here. (laughs) Children are natural-born dreamers. I was driving through a neighborhood on my way from my former office to our home, and I saw a little girl out on her play set, on her swing set, just this past week. And she was out there all by herself. And she was not just in the swing, though. Let me get this. She was, she was about four or five years old. She was not just in the swing. That wasn't good enough for her. You know what she had done? She had tipped herself over backwards, wrapped the chains around her legs, and she was hanging there just like this, upside down with her arms out to the side. 
just experiencing the world from a different angle. Isn't that glorious? I wouldn't have thought of doing that. <laughs> have y'all seen that commercial on TV? Actually, it's a series of commercials. I love it. This young man in his business suit attire, his tie, he comes in, he sits down at this table. There are about six or eight kids around the table with him. And then he simply asks them a question. It's not, it's not to prompt them in any way. I mean, it's a very serious question, you know. Do you like fast or slow? And they say, fast, fast is better, you know. And then they go off on a tangent with that. And he asks them, do you like things to stay the same or do you like change? And they say, change. And he says, well, if you could change something, what would you change? And one little girl responds, I would change my brother into a puppy. Have y'all seen this? It's crazy. You know, where did that come from? And he said, well, how about if you have a puppy and a brother? And she, she, says, she said, no, she said, I, I like the idea of a puppy brother. And he said, well, what, whatever, whatever. I, it is amazing what goes through the mind of a child. Where did these ideas come from? I, I know I'm dating myself to say it, but do any of y'all remember Art Linkletter and the way that he used to engage children and that kids say the darndest things, you know, and how he, he would talk with them. And it was just, all you have to do is get the conversation rolling and then you, you don't have to, to know where it's going to go. It's going to take you with it. There's a physiology to that. I'm not a... Physician, but scientists say that there is something that occurs in the brains of children that does not generally occur in the brains of adults. Theta waves is what they are called. Theta waves are bouncing off the insides of those little skulls, 90 to nothing. Adults don't experience that. Now, there are some exceptions to that rule, but for the most part, Adults do not experience theta waves, except, except in twilight sleep. You know that experience when you come home from work at the end of a long day, you sit down in your chair, you flip on the TV to watch a little news, and yet your eyes get heavy. You've got the newspaper in your hand, and before you know it, you sort of let yourself get relaxed. And the news isn't what's important anymore. And as your newspaper slips from your hand, between the time that you lose grip on it and it crumples in a wad on the floor and reawakens you, that is theta waves. There will be people occasionally to tell me, Preacher, I don't dream. I don't believe them. Everybody dreams. Everybody on this planet dreams in some way. You may not know your dreams. You may not be attuned to think about what you're dreaming. But I will assure you that God has made it so that everybody on this planet dreams. And when you're having those dreams, let me tell you, the theta waves are going crazy. 
just as they go crazy in children every day. It's a beautiful plan that God has. Oh, we try to invent this on our own. But left to ourselves, no matter even our best efforts, the world is in the process of robbing us of this dream that God has planted there. I read in a Discovery magazine, I find that to be a fascinating publication. You may have seen the article about this firm in Sweden whose sole purpose is to be a think tank that helps to get large corporations back on their feet and headed in the right direction. They send representatives to it. This think tank sends representatives to them. Their building in Sweden is fascinating. They had pictures of it in the, in the article. When you walk into the building, it's hard because it is painted three-dimensionally. It is hard to tell where the walls are. You almost have to feel your way through the building. The floor is painted unlike any other floor that I've ever seen. It is painted as near as possible to reflect the sky that starts at the edge of the window that is at the bottom of the room just ahead of you. So it's hard to tell where the sky begins and the floor starts. When you walk into a room, you will find that there is no room in the building with a 90-degree angle. Every room is contorted in some way. You walk down the hallway, no institutional feel there. Zigzags is all you get. And if you can find your way to the conference room, you know what they have as their conference table? They have the top of a grand piano. Fascinating idea. Now, I can imagine that the people that are associated with this firm, by their very nature of being creative thinkers, do help corporations. But it's not so much the application from the outside that makes dreaming, good dreaming, work. You know that, don't you? There is a God factor here that you and I can be aware of, but by its very nature, we are not in control of. This is the way dreaming, true dreaming, works. Joel knew this. When Joel looked around him, everything was devastated. The way he starts his ramblings as a prophet is to remember that the cutting locust had left very little and the swarming locust had come to eat what was left over. The swarming locust, what it left, the hopping locust was eaten. Now, it's not talking about just varmints here. It's talking about countries that have come in and taken over Judah and Israel. What the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust is eaten. Everywhere you look, all Joel could do was lament. And he saw this was the nature of the people's daily diet. He called them to a time of repentance and prayer. 
And why would that be the case? Did they brought this on themselves? Well, the scripture reflecting back on it would suggest, yeah, part of it at least was brought on because of your inattentiveness to what God had wanted to plant in you as the dream to begin with. But be faithful to the repentance and the prayer, Joel said. Be faithful to the repentance and the prayer, the waiting period, and just see what God can do with that. Just see what God... I'm turning around here just to make sure the choir is awake still. Y'all are with me. Just see what God can do with that, Joel was saying. And as, as, they, as, they, as they looked into the eyes of this prophet, can't you imagine that they felt invigorated, invigorated at just the hopefulness of it all? What a wonderful thing to think about what God's creative nature alone can make possible. This prayerful waiting was exactly what was going on when Jesus said to his disciples, he said, now listen, now listen here, bad things are going to fall on me. Bad things are going to fall on me. But good things are going to come after that. And I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem for me. You remember this? Jesus' words. You go and wait in Jerusalem for me. Wait upon this holy comforter that I will send. And lo and behold, what happened? On that day of Pentecost, but the Spirit came in with such a mighty rush of wind that it nearly blew them all over. They were like dancing tongues of flame. And they spilled out into the streets and they spoke languages that they didn't know, but the people in the streets of Jerusalem knew so well because they were speaking in their languages. They turned to them and said, what is happening here? And when Peter responded and began to speak to them, you know who he quoted. Remember this, friends. He quoted Joel the prophet. And he read these words that Paul read just a moment ago. Then afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves. In those days I will pour out my spirit. Everyone is involved here. You see that, don't you? Men and women, young and old. Poor and wealthy. Everybody. Everybody. In God's good day. Will be dreaming. Dreaming. God's dreams. I'm caught up in some dreaming myself right now. Caught up in dreaming about what God might be doing here and you in this place, through me, for me, beside me, around me, above me, below me, with your dreams, with my dreams. I'm caught up in a sense of what only God can do here at Pittman Park and what he has been doing at Pittman Park right through this door over here that I so lately came through. (laughs) There's a picture of Lawrence Halston, I believe it is, with a shovel in his hand just about to pierce the dirt on this holy soil to begin way for the grace of this building that has been placed here and that you and I have inherited. I tell you, that didn't happen without some dreaming going on, friends. 
It did not happen without somebody being filled with a larger nature of what God himself thought possible on this ground. That happens. That happens when people are sensitive, when they're waiting prayerfully for what God might do. I used to visit in the nursing home down in Miller County when I was pastor at Cook's Union and a member of our church there, Aunt Bercy Waycaser, was in the nursing home there in Colquitt. Aunt Bercy was not as sharp of mind as she had been earlier in her life. Dementia was beginning to set in in some form but not so severely that she wasn't just a delight to be around. I will forever treasure those days with Aunt Bercy Waycaser. I can remember going to preach chapel at the nursing home. And after every time that I preached the chapel, usually once a month, I would roll Aunt Bercy back to her room and park her beside her bed and we would sit and visit for a little while. What I enjoyed most about that is that Aunt Versi would look at me and she would say, oh, preacher. She said, oh, preacher, how wonderful, how wonderful, how wonderful. That's the first time I've ever heard you preach. Every time, every time she would say those same words. Now, let me tell you, it was... It was a joy to preach to Aunt Bercy. No matter how bad I had done last time, I thought to myself, she's not going to remember any of it because she's going to be thinking about what's happening right now. Which is what I'm hoping that y'all will be doing too. If I, if I miss out, don't knock it out of the park. Y'all can just say to yourself, we can just forget that one because we're looking for next week because he's going to do it then. God's good graces to dream into the future that we all want, that we all want in this place. Let me tell you about one other fella. I've traveled the road many times between McCray and a little community called Chauncey. Some of you know where that is on 341. And I was traveling it years ago and, and turned, came, came into the crook of the road and saw just beside me this fabulous delight of yard ornaments. I'm talking about large yard ornaments. These, these, were, these were like six and eight foot tall flowers that were as big around as I can reach. The, the petals, the, the heads on the flowers, they had been fashioned out of metal and were painted these brilliant colors. And I began to look around and I thought, what in the world? And, and on the yard, there was this mechanical device that had been uh, put together again with, with the scraps there of metal of some sort, and, and it was a horse that would actually gallop and, and pull this buggy around behind it. I think it had been put on maybe an, an old pivot point for an irrigation system, but it, it was mechanized and it could actually move around. And on the top of the barn, the little work barn there in the yard, 
there was this wind vane, this weather vane, a fellow sitting in a, a boat, and he had cast out and had caught a bass on the other end of this line, and he was balanced there trying to pull this fish in. And I thought, this is just too unreal. And so I, I slammed on the brakes, and I turned around and went back. To look at this, I pulled into the yard. And at about that time, at about that time, this man walks out of his little shed and he comes over to me. He said, he said, I'm Charlie Grimsley. I said, Charlie? I said, I just had to stop. He said, I knew you would. <laughs> Charlie looked at me and, and he said, do you like it? I said, I love it. I love it. I said, did you do this? And he said, every bit of it. He said, just out of scrap pieces all around. He said, if you notice that those, those flowers are made out of the, the blades off of my plow. And I, I was fascinated with it. And in just a few moments, Charlie looked at me and he said, isn't God good? I said, yes. I said, God is good. And he said, where do you go to church? <laughs> I said, Charlie, I said, I'm a preacher. And he threw up his hands. He said, oh, glory, glory. I said, I would like to know about this. He said, you come, in, you come into my house with me. He said, if you got a little while, I said, I'll take a little while. And we went into his house, and his wife made us some iced tea, and we sat there. And he said, he said, let me tell you. He said, I was kind of halfway involved in the church for the longest time, and then fell away, didn't find myself involved at all. He said, an awful thing came, as awful things will come. He said to me, he said, I had a grandchild that was out in the yard playing. It was my job to look after the child, and he was safe over there near the tree. He said, but a car came around that curve that you just drove and missed the curve. Ran slap over my child and killed him. He said it was the most devastating thing that he had ever experienced. Grief he had never imagined. He said he felt torn from the world. He was so bitter, so angry, so confused. His wife said, yes, he, she said, this is exactly right. They were both so hurt by the experience. It made them question what God was up to in their lives. He said, but a strange thing happened. He said, they're in that community people realized the pain that he had suffered and they began to reach out to him. And as they reached out to him, they would bring food over. And he said, I like food. And he said, I would eat and they would just sit. They didn't ask for anything. They would just sit and we would talk a little bit. But finally one day, one of them said, wouldn't you like to join us? We're, we're going to be in church this Sunday, you know. Come be with us there. And he said, I went 
And then he threw up his arms again. And he said, glory, glory, did the Lord fall on me. He said, I have no explanation for it. He said, but when God got hold of me, oh, the grace that became known in my life and how he lifted the grief that I had been sharing for lo, those many days. He said, when I left church, he said, I came back and was sitting in my yard and I thought, God's got to do something with this joy. And it came to him the notion, he said, to begin to put together these pieces of scrap metal in some artistic way, very folk way, folk, folk art. And he said, this is what has become of it. I said, Charlie, it's wonderful what God has done through you. He said, that's not the half of it. He said, you know why I did it, don't you? I said, so that you could work through your grief. He said, no. He said, the reason that I did it was to share the love of God with other people. I said, oh. He said, just like you, other people stop just to see the craziness of what I've got out in the yard. I said, I can imagine that. He said, when they pull in, he said, I got them hooked. <laughs> and he said, now, some of them will say to me, when I, when I say to them, ain't God good, some of them will say, oh, yes, God is. But some of them will look with a confused view on me. And they, will, they won't know what I'm talking about. And that's my opportunity, he said. And you know what I tell them? I said, what did you tell them, Charlie? What do you tell him? He said, he said, you see all this junk? And his, his barn is filled with junk. He said, you see all this junk, this, this refuse that I've got here, all of this stuff? He said, you know how I can take it and put it together and put it into these fancy little things? He said, did you know that that's exactly what God is wanting to do with your life? Now, friends, that's creative thinking. That's dreaming, if you know what I mean. That is living way beyond the theta waves that I've got going on. That is some God stuff. That is God stuff for sure that is being used for good, even to this day. So I ask you, are you allowing God to make all things new? He will. He will. May he bless us in these days of dreaming. Good possibilities here, aren't there? Good possibilities here. Bless us, Lord.